welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So last week, Lauren and I preached together on the need for spiritual intimacy. And we talked about the importance of having open communication with, with our failures and our struggles. And, and then we also talked about how we need to be willing to share openly with what is the Lord speaking to us and being able to pray with one another. And we even addressed the fact that the reality is, is that's not easy to do. It's not easy to make happen. It's not easy to want to pursue or to walk into. And it can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward in the beginning, but it is worth it in the end because of what it opens up relationships within your marriage, the spiritual intimacy within your marriage and the need for one another to grow spiritually together, right? It's good. We need to grow separately and individually. We need to have our own times, but we need to bring those together and share with one another. What what is the Lord speaking to you? What is the Lord speaking to me? And I, and I mentioned that it's in in the same way that, that I, I listen to the Lord to hear what he's speaking to me for our church but we need to hear that word for our home at the same time, right? God wants to speak into our lives in our homes and we need to be open and share those things and create a sense of spiritual intimacy in our homes. So we, we challenge you in that. And this last week, we've been sending out emails to you with, with some devotions and things like that just to help make conversations start, right? If, if you've got no place to begin, it's a great place to begin. So today, uh, we get to go into week three of our series. And so... Um, I'm really excited about this because this one is really, really hits home to me. So when I was a child, and I've mentioned this before, I had a short temper and I had anger problems for no reason, no apparent reason. I had a good home, had good parents, and yet I was this short fused little hothead that would just go off at a second, right? At a moment's notice. And there were so many different stories and I'll share a few throughout the day, but, but so many different things that, that, that moments that just caused me to allow that to show its ugly side, right? It was just not good and I struggled with that. One story in particular that sticks out to me is when I got into a fight with one of my best friends at church camp. It was absolutely funny, really, looking back at it. Because the reality is neither one of us knew how to fight, right? We, we didn't know what we were doing. And yet it took the smallest thing to set me off that day. His name is Jason Perez. I actually texted him uh, just the other day, like, dude, I'm telling a story about us in, in at church, you know, on Sunday. He lives up in Chicago now. And, and, and so we kind of laughed about it. But what happened was we were at the end of the week. I'm exhausted. I can blame it on a million factors. But the reality was that I was terrible at controlling my anger. And so end of the week, Jason makes a joke to me. I said something and he literally joking with like the most joking sounding tone in his voice you've ever heard in your life. He's like, ah, shut up, Ryan. And that was all it took. And I swung at him. It's a true story. And I connected, which then all of a sudden he was like, you're not getting away with that, right? It turned into this fight. Next thing you know, neither one was really knowing what we're doing. Yes, I connected, but the reality is he probably didn't really feel much of it, just knew that I was angry and was like, I'm going to get you back, right? Neither one was, so we end up holding each other in a headlock and we're trying to hit one another, which means we're, our hands are basically just hitting each other. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were angry and I had started this fight for no reason. And next thing you know, the counselor's like, no, you two, get outside, outside. And then the funny part was, I don't know why, but he sent his brother with him outside. He's like, Bo, you go outside too. And I was like, great two on one, this is going to end well, you know, so I get outside and somewhere along the way, this is where it gets really funny. 
Bo was kind of like sticking up for his brother, but also kind of wanting to defend me because Bo and I were also really good friends. And somebody said this phrase, blood's thicker than water. Now, to a seventh grader, we had no clue what blood is thicker than water meant. We just know that we got outside and, and Bo just kept, yeah, man, blood's thicker than water. Blood's thicker than water. Blood, and I'm going, I don't even know what it means, but I'm angry about it. Like, this is like, we're just so mad. I run back inside. I slam the door open. I go in and I'm hitting things. I'm slamming stuff down. And I, for a split second, thought about breaking a window. And I, true story, I walk to the window and I go, Ugh. And then I turned over and went to like my little area where my bunk was and I reared back and I kicked the wall and I put this hole in the wall and this is a brand new camp and to make matters worse, my grandfather's name is on one of the buildings there. So it's just like, it, it's like everybody knew who I was, right? It was one of those deals. I spent the next half of the day on a golf cart with the camp director trying to explain to me how he has to tell my father what had just happened. I was fully aware my dad was gonna be getting a call, right? So I learned that day that my anger can can cost me more than just looking like a fool in the moment. It can cost me about 50 bucks in repairs for a sheetrock patch and getting things fixed. But I also learned over time through my other outbursts and moments of anger that it can also cause for people to want to withdraw from me. And people started going, man, I don't want to hang out with you. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I played golf for our high school. So I was about a freshman in high school and I was on the golf team and I was a, just a hothead on the golf course. I'd hit a bad shot and I would throw my golf club about as far as the ball went, right? It was one of those kind of deals. My dad told me one day, true story. He said, you are no fun to play with. That's a pretty low moment for a 14 or 15 year old when your dad says, I don't want to play golf with you because you're no fun. And having this realization of, man, I have a, really, a, a real problem with my anger. Now we'll get to the grace and the redemption side and all of that because the cool thing is now Lauren has never seen that side of me. She doesn't know that ever existed. And I tell her these stories and she's like, I just don't see that. I just can't ever see that, which is a cool thing. And it's a good thing. And it's a testament to the grace of God and what's happened. And we'll go through some of that stuff today. Whenever Lauren and I were first, when we were engaged and we were going through premarital counseling, which by the way, is something I recommend if you're engaged, go through premarital counseling. You you learn so much. You hear things you would have never thought of, but we were going through it. And uh, the, the, the person doing our premarital counseling was Lauren's youth pastor, Pastor Aaron McNatt, awesome guy. And he said something to us that has stuck with us forever and ever and ever. And it comes from Ephesians chapter four, and that's gonna be our text today. Verse 26 and verse 27, it says this, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Now that's pretty profound in and of itself, but it goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's where I want to be today. The big idea, the thought for today is this. Anger can close the door to relationships and open the door to the devil in your life. Anger can close the door to your relationships and it can open the door to the devil in your life. So for Lauren and I, we we took this to heart, right? And and it's something that we've tried to practice and live out. But I've titled this message today, Don't Let the Sun Go Down. Don't let the sun go down. There's three things that I wanna pull from this text today as we talk, yes, about relationships in the marriage sense, but this applies to all relationships. This applies so well to, to, to marriage relationships. This applies to friendships. This applies to dating relationships. This applies to your relationship with your siblings. This applies to the relationship you have with your parents. This is just good advice straight from the word of God. So it's even more than that. It's a biblical command, right? This is so good for all people in all dealings and all relationships. 
relationships. This is good. Some of you may need to hear this for the person above you at work where you want to say those things and next thing you know, your anger has cost you your job, right? And those kind of things. And I've seen it and this is just good stuff. The very first thing today is this, keep our anger under control. We gotta keep your anger under control. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin, right? Now there's some great things about this text that, that we, we, we understand and we realize. One is that one, quite simply put, anger is a part of life, right? It is an emotion that we are wired with. It's an emotion that we have. It is a, a, a typical response in moments when, we, when we, things don't go right and all this kind of stuff. You know, anger is going to happen, right? Anger is, is, is a natural thing, but we have to learn to control it and to bring it into alignment with the word of God. Because see, this text gives us um, kind of, I, I want to say, it says, listen, there is some room within your anger, but do not sin in your anger. And we'll explain some of that in a second. I know it's a natural response. I have two children and they have the ability to push each other's buttons better than anybody else. Now they're not angry children, but it just, all of a sudden it can go from playing, playing, playing to, ah, I'm so mad at you. And I'm like, what just, what just happened? I'm like, well, he did this. And I'm like, that's it. But because it was that one doing it to that one, all of a sudden, it's the greatest thing in the world, right? It's the worst thing that could have ever possibly happened. And so we, we know that anger exists. We know that anger is a real thing. We've all experienced anger, right? We've all been angry in moments. I know I have, as I've shared with you. Anger just is a part of our time. We have to learn not to indulge in our anger. There's a time and a place for right anger. However, we are susceptible to unjustified anger, in which case we can be more inclined to sin or perhaps even uh, already give ourselves over to sin because of where the anger has now gone, right? I came across something that was, was pretty cool um, that says this, typically the first moment of anger is an involuntary self-protective reaction that is not sinful in itself, but if it is excited without cause, transcends the cause, focuses upon the person rather than the offense, seeks revenge, is increased by reflection upon the cause, or is accompanied by an unforgiving spirit, it becomes sinful. So like I said, there is some leeway within this text to say, okay, you can be angry. There are right moments to be angry. There are right times in which there should be some, some righteous anger. Look at Jesus in the temple. It says that he became indignant, which is just an awesome word in and of itself, just because you're like, Jesus was indignant. And he goes into the temple and he's flipping over the tables of the money changers and all of the sinful things taking place in the temple. Jesus became angry, right? It was righteous anger. There are moments when our anger is a valuable tool that we have to say, okay, no, I'm gonna cause change because what is happening here is sinful and we need to correct that, we need to adjust that. One of the greatest places to get angry is when you see injustice and sin in your own life to become angry with yourself, to say, I am not gonna be this person anymore. And in a sense, you go through your heart turning over the tables and saying, we're driving this out of here, right? We're grabbing the whip and we're sending, we're sending this out. We're saying, no, I won't be this way, right? It, 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 there are times when, when it would be good to be angry with, with, with things happening within our nation. I will say this, if, if people try to do it, they try it in California and try to ban the Bible in the state of Texas, I will get angry. Uh, I became angry just reading about them trying it in California going, 
Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. And I'm not going to get on a whole political tangent and whatnot right now, but it, was, it, 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 it sparked anger in me. I was like, this is out of control. This is the word of God, right? We, we got to hold true to the word of God. We cannot ban this and cast it out, right? There are moments when our anger is not just necessary, but it's called for, right? There are moments when we say, okay, this goes against the word of God. I'm, I, I need to stand up and be angry in this moment. I need to fight against this, right? But then there are other moments where our anger is unjustified and unnecessary and not needed and caused by, by the words and actions of others around us. And it grows beyond the offense. And that's where we have to be careful is now the anger has overtaken us. It's overtaken our thoughts and, our, and, and what we're wanting to do and our reactions. And we fall into that sinful side of things where now we're given into to unjust words and we're given into violence that's not needed. And we're given into, you know, we begin to fall prey to and fall victim to this anger that has outgrown the offense. So being, being angry, yes, there is a time and a place for it. But it, the, Paul writes, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Control it, rein it in, allow it to be under the, the you know, umbrella of what you're, the offense that you're walking through. Keep it within the parameters of where you're at. Don't let it become greater than it should. Uh, if I was to start telling moments of all times I got angry, we'd be here all day, right? As a child, and I've got people, there are people here that have known me since I was a child, and they can laugh and attest to the funny stories and different things, like the time I threw a chair because somebody touched my hair. Um, that, and I'm not trying to make a rhyme. That's a true story. Um, and it was, I was in junior high and the hair was like a big deal. Like, don't touch the hair. Because was like, no, if you touch it, then the gel goes. And it looks like I have dandruff. And I was like, this is this whole big deal, right? So I legitimately got angry and I picked up the chair and I threw it across the room. People like to embellish that story and say I threw it at her. I did not throw it at her. It was nowhere near, here, near her, but the story gets exaggerated, right? And then other times, I, there's so many different things. I used to lose my cool when somebody wouldn't stop messing with me and they would trying, intentionally trying to get a reaction out of me because they knew they could, right? And then I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at people and to the point where I, I was an, a, a, an angry crier, right? I would get so angry, I'd start crying and like, Aah! And it's like nothing, no words or, or intelligible syllables are coming out of my mouth any longer because they are wrapped in like sobbing, you know, anger, right? And so that was, that was the way I reacted and that's how I was. And it was always and never in proportion to what was going on, right? And so there are so many times that I had to learn to rein it in. Uh, I had to learn to rein it in. And, and that's the, the cool thing is this. There's been moments in my life that spoke so clearly into my life that said, hey, you need to get a grip of this. So I was a senior in high school. We had a new youth pastor and his name was Chris Lindbergh and, and Pastor Chris came. And I remember a moment specifically, he had witnessed enough at that point of my angry outbursts and different things of that nature. And here I was leading worship for the youth group. And he's going, I probably don't need my worship leader having these angry outbursts. Uh, about four months prior to him coming to be the youth pastor, uh, I was trying to end worship one time. And this is like the universal signal for end the song, right? And so I'm playing and I'm telling this, the drummer, stop playing. We're done, you know, this whole day. And I became so angry. We finished the song. I'm not joking. I'm not making this. This is a failure in my life. I walk off the stage and I walked over and I'm in the youth room and I just slammed both hands on the walls and was like, ah! And everybody looks. And at the time there's all of like 40 students in the youth group. So it made a scene. 
And I had walked, you know, this this whole deal, right? So my youth pastor was fully aware of the anger issues and stuff I had. So we're in the hallway and some kids are messing around, joking around. I, I don't even remember who it was or what it was, but something happened and Pastor Chris got hit in the face. And he got hit pretty hard and it was not an intentional, like somebody punched him. It was just horseplay, right? And he looks at us and I know for a fact he had me in mind. And he said, this is a good example, guys that just because something happens to you that you don't like or appreciate doesn't mean you have to become angry about it. And I was going, I hear you. Yes, sir. And he's like, it hurt. And I could react and I could get upset, but there's no need for it. That was a big moment in my life where, where God was speaking through my youth pastor directly to me and saying, you need to get a grip on this anger that you have. You are ruining your ability to lead. You're ruining your ability to carry a witness. You know, people view you and carry that with you. You know what I mean? That, that mindset of, that they have is, is, is surrounded by the fact that you are an angry person. You have no control. And that was a big moment for me, having to learn to control my anger. And I mentioned earlier that if you were to ask Lauren now, she would tell you that I have never raised my voice at her. And this is just a testament to grace, right? This is not, this is just the, the work of the Lord in my life, right? And, and, and I'm not aggressive with her. I don't demand things from her. I, I'm not an angry person with her. Uh, and I had to work through that and, and get to that point that it never even came into our marriage. I was, God had brought me through that over the next like four years before we got married because we, I was quick, high school, college, married, all right. And, and so we worked through those things to get to that point so now in our marriage, we, we have just an ease of conversation. There are, in a, in a pastor's home, let's see a little insight. In a pastor's home, there are, we don't argue. Like there are no arguments and fights. There are just intense moments of fellowship, yeah. right? Um, just intense moments of fellowship. And so we've had our share of intense moments of fellowship, but we, we don't allow it to become, uh, it, it's not this, this, you know, crazy drawn out, you know, yell fest and, and arguing. Let me, let me say this. This is, this is a side note. If we are to be like Christ, right? If, if we are to carry the attributes of God, then we're supposed to walk with the love of God. Uh, one of the things that we have to remember is that love keeps no record of wrongdoing. When you are arguing, stay in the moment and leave the past out of it. That is great wisdom that I've, I've heard for years and years and years. Don't drudge stuff up. Don't bring it in, even if it relates or is, is, is closely related to, leave it in the past. Otherwise, all you're gonna do is incite anger that is unnecessary in the moment. Just a side note, throwing that. I did put that in my notes as a side note, but just throwing that out there. That is just something that I think is so valuable that we can learn from and will help when in any in any situation, in any relationship, it will help us to understand that that our anger can overtake us and can become improportional and out of control. So. Calvin says it this way. He says, our anger after a reasonable time ought to be allowed to subside without mixing itself with the violence of carnal passions. This leads us to our second thought today is this. Resolve your anger quickly. Resolve your anger quickly. We don't, we don't need to allow the anger to continue to fester and grow. We don't need to sit in it and marinate in it where we're replaying the situation over and over and over and over. And all it's doing is building and adding and building and adding. 
When I read this, I think that this is uh, just a great practical enforcement of the command, do not sin in your anger, right? See, I think Paul is saying, okay, what is practical advice to help people in their anger to not sin? He says, don't, don't go to bed angry. Don't end your day when the sun sets. Don't still be angry. Resolve it before then. One of the great things about this is it forces us to have to communicate through our issues. And that can be the hardest part for so many people to go, okay, you're right. We need to talk about this. We got to fix this. When Lauren and I first got married, and and this has been the same all the way through, you know, we took that to heart. Her youth pastor said, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Resolve it, resolve it, resolve it. And, and, And despite my best efforts, we have not, right? There have been several moments of intense moments of fellowship when I'm ready to go to sleep and I'm just going to leave it. I'm just like, forget it. I'm going to sleep. I can go to sleep right now. I'm not worried about it. You know, this, this pride and this arrogance of, well, I did nothing wrong. I can sleep, you know? And Lauren will wake me up and be like, I'm sorry. Uh, we're we're going to talk through this, right? I can't sleep right now. So, so you're going to learn a lot of things over the years about Lauren and I is that most of the time she's just better. And, uh, and, and I'm just trying to catch up, right? It's one of those deals. So, so here I am and I'm going, man, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm half out of it. And she's going, no, we're fixing this right now. We're talking about it. We're dealing with this. We're not letting this sit. We're not sleeping on this overnight and trying to come back the next morning. No, she'll be like, literally she'll go, okay, no, we're doing, I'm sorry. I'll be like, we're talking about it now. And now here I am struggling and fighting this desire to be like, I don't want to do this. And I go, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to go to sleep. And you go, okay, so 30 minutes of sleep uh, extra versus settling a difference. It's worth it every time to lose the sleep. And she doesn't allow us. You know, it's one of those deals where you say, don't let the sun go down. Make it a part of, of your relationships. Make it a part of your character and who you are to say, I'm not going to allow anger to be controlling me any longer. I'm going to look at those things in those situations. I'm going to resolve them quickly. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to be willing to step up to it. I'm going to be willing to face it head on. Even if it's uncomfortable or difficult, I'm going to face it head on and I'm going to resolve the anger. See, in the Hebrew culture, sunset marked the end of the day. When the sun went down, the day was over. And not that the night began, but it was like the next day has started, right? The sun is gone. So he's saying, before this day even finishes, before it's complete, when, before people say, okay, it's the next day. No, no, no. Resolve it before the end of the day. And for them, that would have been, you know, most days, what, six o'clock? <laughs> going, fix it by then. Fix it. Deal with it. And that's difficult. That's difficult. Again, I'm going to guarantee that we will get angry. We must do all that we can to keep it under wraps within con- controlled parameters, right? That we're controlling the anger. It's not controlling us. But then we resolve it. We resolve it quickly. Now, the opposite of angry, anger would kind of be calm, right? Or, or, or peace. So here's what I found that for me, it wasn't just because I heard my youth pastor say something about staying under control. It was truly the work of the Holy Spirit in my life in the process of sanctification and growing. That it, and by, I say this often and I mean it, that it's by grace and by the work of, of God in my life that I was able to move beyond these erratic outbursts of, of anger, right? Here's, here's what we learn about God is that God is a God of peace. There are moments, yes, when, when you go, okay, yeah, he's, he's an angry God because of his hatred towards sin. He's a just God and all these kind of things. Yes, but he is a God of peace. He's a God of peace. Psalm 34, 14, 
is one of the greatest verses. We say it often in our home. It may be Lauren's favorite verse, but it's, it says this, real, real simple. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. So valuable, the words of Psalm there. He said, Turn from evil and do good. Meaning in our, in our own ability, we have the ability with the help of the father, right? To turn from evil. Say, okay, I am no longer pursuing that, right? He's saying, turn from evil. Don't pursue evil. Rather, seek peace and pursue that. So in our anger, we have to say, okay, am I pursuing the, the wrong? Am I pursuing an ad, you know, vengeance? Am I wanting to prove that I'm right? Or am I pursuing peace? Am I pursuing what is honoring to the Father? Am I pursuing what glorifies God? And that is peace, right? Peace. We can read all throughout Scripture that God is a God of peace. He doesn't want us to go on these, these angry tirades and, and, and attacks of, of, of other people and saying, look what you did, look what you did, look what you did. No, he's saying, no, let's resolve that. Let's find peace. Let's find this, this sense of, of calm in our homes, Right? How many of you know that you can walk into a home and you can sense the tension in a house, right? It's like the sixth sense that we all have, you know, like you walk in and you're like, okay, something's not right here. You sense those things, right? But at the same time, you can walk into a home and be like, oh, it's peaceful here. It's calm. I feel like I can relax. You know what I mean? We need to seek peace and pursue it. Right? God wants to let his peace abide in our homes. That's what he longs for. That's why he says, listen, don't let your anger grow and continue. Resolve it quickly. Deal with it. Deal with it quickly. That's, that's one of the hardest things I think in, in, in any and every relationship seminar or course that you ever hear about. One of the biggest things they talk about is communication. Right? You, hear, you have to communicate. You have to talk. You have to communicate. Communication is so key. And can I tell you, they're right. You... you Without scripture, they're still right. You go, oh man, they're just talking about marriage, doing it this way. Okay, that, that component, one, is scriptural. It's, it's godly, it's right. You have to communicate. You have to be willing to talk through these things because if we allow our anger to grow, then we slip into sin. And we also begin to drive a wedge between us. We also begin to build a wall because of our anger overtaking us. Resolve it quickly. Anger is dangerous. If left alone, at least a destructive sin, squelch it quickly. Deal with it quickly. Let me ask you for just a moment before we move on to our next point to stop and think internally for a moment. And think for a moment, where, where, are, where are you at with this? You know, what are you pursuing in moments of anger? Are you pursuing peace? Or are you chasing revenge that proves that you're right? In the end, which one's gonna lead to healthier relationships? In the end, are, are, are you building or are you tearing down? Are you separating or are you bringing together? How you respond in your anger either leads to sin or it leads to mended relationships. It either separates or it brings together. If we allow our anger to grow, it opens a door that causes more destruction than we could have ever imagined. Last thought on this is this. Don't allow the devil to gain ground. 
How many of you know this and understand that, that we have a real enemy in the devil, right? Evil is prevalent and it comes from the, the, who is referred to as the father of lies, right? The devil is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. We mentioned that last week, that he will even attack your marriages if that's what he can do to bring you down, right? He wants to make us so weak and so feeble and have no ability whatsoever for the kingdom. He wants to tear us down and pull us away, right? That is his goal. That is his aim in life. It is what, it's what he wants to do. So he's not gonna just leave you alone and, and be done with it. So the Bible says, Paul, Paul writes, he says, do not even give the devil a foothold. What does that mean exactly? When I was younger, I like to think of it like this. When I was younger, I used to torment my younger sister. All just good love, Right? There are several times and some funny moments of different things, like the time when, y'all know those, the trash cans that the city gives you and you fill them up and they come and pick them up? There was a time that me and my best friend, Mikey, decided it would be a good idea to put her in one. Um, she didn't appreciate that. And at the time, she was like 15 when we did that. That was good. Uh, it wasn't like she was just a little kid. And so we shoved my little sister in a trash can. She got really mad about that. I used to chase her around and try to pin her down and like give her a wet willy or something. Uh, y'all ever do, you ever had somebody do that thing where they just poke your, your sternum over and over and over and it just breathe. We'd, I would do that to her all the time. Stuff like that, you know, just good, you know, loving relationship between my little sister and I. And I know, remember just chasing her around the house all the time and she'd be like, leave me alone. Or when she's trying to get to her room and she goes to shut the door and you know what I would try to do? Get my foot in there. She can't shut it. Even if it's almost shut, I now have leverage to squeeze my way in the door even if it was a little out of time. Because the reality is my little sister, full grown now, weighs all of 102 pounds and I can overpower her with ease. And back then it was a lot easier because she weighed like 38 pounds in seventh grade or something, I don't know. It's probably not exactly accurate, but ballpark figure. It's somewhere between zero and a thousand. So I know that much. So I know I'm, you know, anyways, I'll stop. But when I think about not letting the devil gain a foothold, that's, that's what my mind goes to. As I go to shut the door, am I, am I closing it slowly so that he has an opportunity to gain a foothold? Or am I slamming the door so that he cannot gain any footing in my life? So when we look at the word foothold, uh, it actually, in the Greek, it means a, a place, or a spot, right? Or a, a space. And he, he says, uh, essentially this, it's further defined, it means this, any area of any size. It could be the smallest iota of space, right? It could be the impulses, don't give him any room. Shut the door. Shut the door. See, that's that, that practical side again. Close it quickly so that we don't sin in our anger, right? This is, this is about relationships, yes, because our anger it usually is, is, is geared towards someone or a thing, you know, or a, or a moment in time. And he's saying, no, 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 don't allow even a moment to slip by where you don't resolve that. You say, shut that door so that there is no opening for the devil to begin to work his way in. Because if we give him a small amount, next thing you know, he's squeezing a finger around. 
and trying to pull his hand through. Next thing you know, he's using leverage and he's trying to push back. And, and it happens gradually. It doesn't happen in an instant. It's not like you wake up one morning and you're just completely just sharing a room with the devil now and, and your life is nowhere near what you ever expected it to be and, and you're fully engulfed in anger and rage leading to other sin after sin after sin. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a subtle, subtle slope. He just begins to work his way in a little at a time. And that's why Paul says, don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Growing up, that same youth pastor had a million different phrases that we called Pastor Christendisms. And he had a million of them. But one of the things that he would say all the time that has stuck with me is this. He said, sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Because you never intend for just a small amount to, to grow and be more and more and more. But that's what happens. And if we open the door just a little bit, it's a slippery slope that starts pulling us further and further away further and further down. And Paul says, in your anger, do not sin, resolve it, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him a foothold. I love what James says in, in James 1, 19 and 20. See, James and Paul are very similar in personality types, right? They, they're not just kind of tiptoeing around the ideas and the subjects and the thoughts. They go straight for the jugular on things. It's really great. Um, And Paul probably made a lot of enemies unintentionally within churches because he was just harsh in his words, yet they loved him dearly. And I'm like, man, what a great guy, right? I don't know. But James 1 says this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. You know that God desires righteousness from us, right? We obviously made righteous because of Christ and what he's done, right? We are, we are made righteous in salvation. That, that part is true. But yet God says, I want you to live righteous. There should be a difference in how you live. There is a noticeable change from others, right? And he's saying, in, in your anger, there is nothing good that can come of it. So be slow to become angry. So be aware of what's going on. And I love that they give, again, it's that practical advice. He's, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. It goes back to the idea of communication, right? We need to stop before we become angry. Let's listen. What happened? Let me hear from you. And then be slow to speak. How many of you know that when we're quick to speak, uh, we speak emotionally? Um, I always tell Lauren that I have to bite my tongue because I feel in moments that I could like verbally cripple somebody, like just break them down in a hurry where I just start just saying things. And I have to control that, right? I have to bite that and keep that down. And I have a lot of like funny quips that I would use on people that I don't because I go, they may come to my church one day and I'm a believer and I should probably look like Christ also, right? There's that. But being slow to speak, I think one of the greatest things we can learn to do in our anger is to bite our tongue. I mentioned earlier that, you know, we need to keep our anger in the moment, right? 
not, not bringing up the past, but, but keeping our anger in the moment, but being slow to speak. Listen first. One of the greatest ways to resolve issues and in, in anger problems is just simply communicate. Communicate. And that goes for marriage relationships. That goes for every relationship. That goes when, when dealing with, with the struggles between my children, you know, it's really funny to watch because what do they both want to do immediately is start telling me their side of the story at the same time. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I can't hear both of you at the same time. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, but I, I don't pick up all the details. And next thing you know, I'm going to mix it all up and, and you're going to be going, dad, what are you even talking about? And I'm like, I, you told me this, I don't know. So they're, they're in that same deal where we all are, right? Learning to just, Bite your tongue, slow down, listen, hear what's going on. Why are you upset? What happened, right? James is saying, slow down. Don't rush to anger. We talked about there's a right time for anger. There are moments when, when anger is, 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 is valuable and useful, but he's saying, slow down. Take a deep breath, listen, then talk. Because our anger does not lead to righteousness. Looking back on my life in several different times, I know that there were several moments in my anger, there was not an ounce of righteousness coming out of my actions, right? I look back and I go, man, why was I screaming and yelling at a guy because a a kickball popped in a kickball game, right? It was not his fault. It wasn't intentional, right? And yet I lose it over that. It just in so many different moments. and, And I can tell more stories and I won't because it's, uh, I just look at that and I go, man, that's, that God's grace is good. God's, God's saving grace is good. His, his transformation is so good. And I'm thankful for where I came from. So now I can laugh at those stories and be like, what a goofball I was, right? It just served no purpose. Just, we have to learn to control our anger, resolve it quickly. We cannot give the devil a foothold. We cannot give him an opening, not even an ounce because he'll pull us further than we want to go, and I'll invite the worship team. Some of you today, I know, I know for a fact, I mean, I don't, I, just because given the amount of people in the room, you deal with anger. You deal with the inability to control your anger, and you find yourself in, 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 in these little fits of rage, in these outbursts, and in, in these things are being said, and these words are coming in, and you go, I, I don't mean those things when I say it. I, you know, I got angry, and I began to have just this, this word vomit coming out, and, and I can't take those things back now, and I've caused so much hurt, and I've caused so much pain, because I have no control of my emotions in the moment. And you're going, man, I, I need God to help me with my anger. I need God to help me with my anger. I need God to help me learn to control that, to resolve that and to, to suppress those things and say, you know what? God is bigger than this situation. I need to slow down. I need to stop. I need to listen and I need to be slower to speak. I need to hear things and I need to use my words in, in, in a way that are peace seeking. And maybe you're on the other end of that. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I I haven't dealt with anger, but now because of the results of other people, I'm dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness because of the anger that has been shown towards me. And I'm having to deal with and carry the weight of the hurts that I've endured because somebody else is anger. Anger can be destructive. Anger can be destructive. 
Now, I'm blessed to say that I grew up in a home where I didn't watch and witness anger, but my mother grew up in a home that was totally different. And I saw, or I heard the stories of the things that she saw and, and, the, and the hurts that she endured and that she witnessed and that she watched as anger filled the home. It's destructive. And I don't want for a moment for you to begin to think that, oh, it's just a little, I just get angry every once in a while. It's just a little, it's a little, I say things, sure, from time to time, but it's not, it's not, you know, no, it is, it's a big deal. Because it's just that small little bit that maybe you go, it's just every once in a while. Well, every once in a while becomes, I mean, it's just about twice a month. And then every twice it becomes, oh, it's just once a week or so. And you find it building and growing because you've given a foothold. And he's just working his way further and further in, hoping to cause greater and greater separation. He wants to ruin your relationship. He wants to pull you further from God. And we cannot give him a foothold. And maybe you're going, I need to take back what he has stolen from me. I need to take back what he has, has begun to, 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 to take from me. So this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to I pray over you and just say, God, deliver us from anger. Deliver us from, from the wrongdoings that we have done. Deliver us from everything that we have allowed because of our inability to control our anger. I want to pray over both groups of people this morning. But if, if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I struggle with my anger. When I get angry, I say things I don't mean. When I get angry, I do things that I shouldn't do. When I get angry, I become another person and I don't want to be that person any longer. I want deliverance from my anger. So between you and I, and I mean that between you and I, if that's you and you say, I need, I need help with this, if you just slip your hand, one, two, three, anybody in this room, anybody at all, I see it. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see it. Anybody else? I want to pray over you. God loves you. Hear me. Oh, man, this is, this is a statement that has just been in my mind and in my heart uh, since I pretty much I heard it in a song this week. It says this, that God loves you so much that he will meet you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. He loves you so much he'll meet you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Man, that's just, that is profound to say, man, God's going to come running to you. And then he's going to say, come with me. Let's run together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So anybody else, anybody else? I've seen a few hands. Anybody else? And let me do this. Let's pray over that right now. Father, we know and we believe, God, that you are capable of doing all things, that there is nothing too great for you. There is nothing too small for you. There's not things that you overlook or neglect and say, no, that's beneath me. No, no, no. And there's nothing that you go, I could never get there. I could never. No, no. God, there is nothing out of your reach and nothing beyond your ability. And so, Father, we pray right now over those that, have, that are struggling and dealing with, with anger and the ability to control that, Lord, and be able to, to please you in our anger. Father, so that we do not fall into sin, but that we stay righteous in our actions, Lord. But I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, for deliverance from that. Father, I know you can. I've seen it in my own life, what you have done in me and how you have shaped me and changed me. Lord, that, that, that it is a 
looks completely different. It is night and day. God, you can do that again. And we believe it and we know that you can. And so, Father, we come to you and we say, God, Lord, I pray that that you will bring complete deliverance, Lord, complete restoration to the, the, the relationships that have been destroyed and hurt by their anger, Father. And I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak grace over it. I speak grace to it. And I say in the name of Jesus, let there be the redeeming power of your love and the transforming power of your grace in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, maybe you're in this room this morning and you're saying, I have been affected by the anger of somebody else. I've been hurt and I'm holding on to unforgiveness I'm holding on to bitterness and, and, and these, the reactions that have come and, and I'm shutting down and I'm withdrawing because I'm fearful for, for what I may say or what I might do and, 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 and would incite more anger in, in the overflow and the outpouring of, of everything I'm doing. And if you're here and you're saying, I need, I need to be able to forgive and to find healing from the hurt that the anger has caused. If that's you, on the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. Anybody, I see one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see, I see some hands. Just needing to be able to forgive. Needing to be able to forgive. Guys, can I tell you, unforgiveness is a, is a trap and it's a scheme of the devil to keep you from reaching who God wants you to be. Can I tell you that it is a, a controlling thing? Let's pray over that. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray healing. God, I pray that just such a peace overwhelms, God, that there is forgiveness in their hearts. Forgiveness in their hearts. God, I've seen you work in people's lives that have held on to things, that on the surface it seems okay, the relationship seems functional, it seems good, but deep inside there is unforgiveness that is restricting and keeping them back from the fullness that you long for us to have. So God, in the name of Jesus, I pray God for healing of the hearts, healing of the minds, and I pray God that a spirit of forgiveness overwhelms them. God, that a spirit of forgiveness will cover them in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, to be able to walk fully in your forgiveness and be able to share that freely in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for how great you are, for how great you are. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. We give you glory and we give you honor for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. God is good, isn't he? Man, God is good. God is so good that he does not want to leave us how we are. It's not just that moment of salvation and he says, all right, have fun. You're on your own. No, 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 no. He loves us so much. He wants to carry us along and he wants to help us to continue to grow and to become more and more and more like him. And sometimes it's those small tweaks and those little changes. And other times it's greater moments of of impact in our lives where the spirit is just like, boom, we're fixing this. And you're like, all right, I surrender. Here I am. Man, God is good. God is good. Just a couple. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. 
If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.